Good morning to those of you who are joining us online. And um, hey, just a couple of things I want to reinforce. Uh, even though our 40 days of prayer emphasis is over, we're still praying. So if you have prayer needs, please get those to us. You can either scribble it on a piece of paper and drop it in the white box that's out in the lobby as you leave. If you're online, you can fill out the Connect card and submit a prayer request. And those of you who are here in, uh, in the sanctuary this morning, you can do the exact same thing. So uh, we're going to continue to pray through all of that. And let me reiterate what, what Ken said. We really would love to get a chance to connect with many of you who are newer to Hope uh, during a Q&A coming up uh, at the end of the month. So for those of you who would be in the first service like this, it would be an opportunity for you to you'd have to leave and come back for our 1145 gathering. And, um, or you could just sign up for the 1030 service if you could get into it. So it all depends on how fast those fill up. But we're, we're going to have a, a great time. It's just really a chance for you to kind of peel back the onion a little bit more about who we are. One clarification. The Women's Mug and Muffin event is a virtual event online. All right. So some of that is they don't want to, have to limit the capacity. Several also that we have participants from outside of the state who are a part of it as well. So they're just going to do the next round of this as a virtual gathering as we get into it. So, all right. Hey, uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn to First Corinthians chapter 15. So I need to start my message this morning with a spoiler alert. And here's the spoiler alert. Jesus is resurrection guarantees that we're going to be resurrected, all right? I kind of, kind of took the air out of the bag that way, right? Like, what's going to happen to us? Well, we are going to be resurrected, right? There's no doubt about it. I mean, Jesus said, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, and the resurrection proves that he's gone, he's there preparing a place for us. He says, I'm going to come back and take you to be where I am. So we are going to be resurrected. So I hope that doesn't take all the zing out of the message because I think a lot of us have questions around, all right, how is that going to happen? What's that going to look like? When is that going to happen? That kind of idea. And we're going to try to work through all of that. Secondly, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage. You know, every preacher is a little different. And some preachers are really good at wordsmithing stuff and putting phrases together and they can make their voices go up and down and drag them out and they can create a lot of drama just with what they say and how they say it. And our conversation about the resurrection deserves that, but that's not the kind of preacher I am, right? I'm much more of an in idea and insight guy. So let's try to figure out what we don't usually see and see how that matters to us. So cut me a little slack here as we work through some things that are really incredible words of good news to us. See, I'm trying to be dramatic, right? And, and yet we're, we're not going to do justice to all of that. So, so for those of you who might be jumping in with us after catching us last week you know, with our Easter message, I want to just do a quick review of where we've been in our journey as we as we conclude our journey of considering the effects of the resurrection, of Jesus' resurrection on us. And, 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 um, and today, many of it, we're, we're going to talk about our resurrection. A lot of you thought, well, that's where I thought we would have spent all of our time, right? But that's not where the Apostle Paul went with his teachings from 1 Corinthians 15. So last week, we looked at the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an historical, real event. And you look at it rationally, you look at it factually, factually, and it is indeed an event that takes place. And that event needs to become 
personal to us as he calls our name like he called Mary's name just outside of the empty tomb as we looked at last week. And if you didn't catch that message, it's online and you can just go to our website and follow along. And in fact, all of our messages for, for months and months and months, if not years, are still there on the website for you to tap into. But leading up to that, there's a couple other things that we looked at along the way. One of those is that the, the very fact that Jesus is resurrected, right, makes a difference with what we believe. What we believe actually has an impact on who we are and where we're going to spend eternity. Right? You know, as, as Apostle Paul puts it, confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He said, you will be saved. So what we believe really does matter. It has an impact. And in, in the midst of that, that's really kind of what puts the good news in the good news, right? If Jesus just dies on the cross and he's not resurrected, it's just a sorry, sad ending. But the fact that Jesus has been resurrected, it means that it really is good news for us because not only can we be redeemed from our sin, but we are now released in a part of a journey that's going to last for eternity. So today we want to look at our resurrection. Jesus' resurrection guarantees that you and I, that our lives, and more specifically, our relationship with God is not going to end with our death. Now let me say that again. Our lives, because they are eternal, because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith in him, if, if, if our lives are eternal and our death is not the end of our relationship with God, it's just a transition to something incredible and new. So I want to read a couple of passages of scriptures for us. They're both from the Apostle Paul. The first one is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Little lengthy passage, hang in there. I'm going to make some comments as we go through to pull out a few pieces for us. And then I'm going to flip over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where we're going to look at some verses as well, where he talks to the, to the Christians who are living in the city of Thessalonica about the resurrection as well. So verse 35 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? And the reason I'm using that inflection is because that's exactly the way they were asking the question. Come on. Guy's been dead for a thousand years? What's his corpse going to look like? Who wants to spend eternity in that, right? There's no bodily resurrection. You are nuts. That's really the conversation that was going on. And Paul, you know, he's, no, he's, he's not an easy guy. To, he says, you know what? You guys are idiots. Verse 36. He says, you fool. <laughs> right? You know, he says, you fool. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Now he's referring to some stuff from nature. We're going to come back to that, right? He says, and as for what you sow, you are not sowing the body that will be, but only a seed, perhaps of wheat or another grain. But God gives it a body as he wants, and to each of the seeds its own body. You plant some seeds, they turn into apple seed, apple trees, right? You plant other seeds, they turn into orange trees. You plant other seeds, they turn into Black, you know, black birch, right? You know, there's all kinds of stuff. God turns lots of things into different jewelry. By putting it in the ground, it dies and it's resurrected and it looks totally different. 
Why can't that be the same with our bodies? Let me go on. Verse 38. But God gives it a body as he wants, and to each of the seeds its own body. Not all flesh is the same. There's one flesh for humans, another flesh for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. There's the splendor of the sun, and another of the moon, and another of the stars. In fact, one star differs from another star in its splendor, right? So it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. So it is written. So, so if there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. They should not end sentences with the same words when you're trying to read it like that, right? So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. We'll talk about that in a minute. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, right? Adam was formed from the dust, and God breathed life into him. Like the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. Like the man of, he like the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the man of death... And that image is that we sin and we die. We will also bear the image of the man of heaven. We're being resurrected. Here's what I'm saying, brothers and sisters. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. And when he uses the word mystery there, it's not that it's hard to figure out. It means that it can only be discovered when God reveals it to us. It's a truth, but it's not a truth that we can discover on our own. It's a truth that God has to reveal to us. That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about mysteries, right? And so in Jesus Christ and with all that took place, the mystery, the truth that was unveiled to us, right, is that we will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility. And this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. Sounds pretty good to me, doesn't it? With this incorruptible, when this incorrupt, when this corruptible body, there we go, is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then that would is then, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, where, where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? See, the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, 
my dear brothers and sisters, that's us. Be steadfast, immovable, excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You can flip over if you'd like to with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just a few pages back in your Bibles as you'll move through um, 2 Corinthians and you'll, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then you'll come into 1 Thessalonians. And those are all fairly small books. But just listen to these words if you don't turn there. Verse 13 of chapter 4. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. So Paul's writing to this church, and they've had some dear brothers and sisters in Christ who have passed away. And they're asking the question, well, what happens to them now? Right? I mean, they're, they're, Jesus hasn't come back. They're dead. Does that mean their journey's over? What happens then? He said, you know what? We don't want you to grieve for them the way you, as people who have no hope. It says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That means they've died before Jesus returns. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We are still alive at the Lord's coming. We will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And I want you to point out there the beginning of verse 15. Well, look at this. It says, for we say this to you by a word from the Lord. So Paul said, I'm not making this stuff up. This is directly what God told me, right? I'm not making this stuff up. I couldn't think. So you know what? It, and and it, here's the reality. Is Jesus is going to come back. We're all going to be resurrected. But those who have died before, those, they're going to be believers living on the planet. And they're going to follow those who have already died in Christ as the resurrection takes place. So you're going to have to wait in line if you're still alive. Right? You're going to have to wait. It's going to be in a twinkling of an eye. I don't know how long of a wait that's going to be. And you can ask my wife. I'm very impatient in lines. So uh, it's a good thing. It's going to be very quick. So continue on. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend with a shout. Can I get an amen? Right? For the Lord himself will descend with a shout from heaven with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So like I mentioned to you a minute ago, I'm more of an insight guy. So I want to try to unpack some of the stuff that we've learned, and put it in a context we can understand the flow of thought and the significance of the thought that Paul's trying to teach to us, the same thoughts that he had received from God. And, and what Paul is arguing for that really kind of never rises to the surface, but it is the foundation of his theology, it's the foundation of what God's so, shown him, is that since you and I come to know Christ as an individual, we must be resurrected with individuality. Let that sink in for a minute, right? Because you and I have been saved as individuals, right? We must be resurrected with our 
individuality. So it's not this idea that we just are some kind of a part of a you know, nebulous spirit world that raises up and our essence or energy is there somehow or another. He's saying, you know, you have personhood. God created you to have personhood. You are redeemed. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. It's an individual, personal call. And because of you have been redeemed personally, because you were created with personality, with individuality, you will be raised in, with individuality. And that means you are raised spiritually, your soul is raised, and your body is raised. The, God's theology of who we are, what he believed, the way we are body, soul, and spirit. They are inseparable. They are what make us who we are, right? And so because of that, when God came to redeem us, he didn't come just to redeem our spirits. He came to redeem all of us. And that means our bodies have to be resurrected along with all the rest of us, because we were redeemed as individuals. God loves us as an individual. He wants to spend eternity with us as an individual. So he's going to raise us with our individuality. We're going to have new bodies. Does that make sense? Because the whole argument that was going on, it's like, well, you know, the, the, the body is bad, it's evil, it decays, all that kind of stuff. We don't want our bodies. We just want to be, you know, the spirit spiritual essence that get released into the, to the world kind of idea, into eternity. God said, no, 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 no. That's not the way I made you. That's not the way I've redeemed you. And that's not the way I'm going to resurrect you. Now, if you want some evidence, and I know this is kind of anecdotal, a little bit off to the side. Remember the transfiguration of Jesus? There were a couple of guys who showed up to meet with him, right? And they weren't just like unrecognizable A and unrecognizable B. They were Moses and they were Elijah. These are guys who are already in eternity, right? But they're still Moses, and they're still Elijah. So I'm still going to be Neil in eternity. And for some of you, you say, oh, man, I feel sorry for you. I get that, all right? You know, but, but you know, I'm still going to be Neil in eternity. Just like it was still Moses, and it was still... And God's done all of that because he loves you. He's created you as an individual. He loves you as an individual. And he has set about setting you free for eternity, body, soul, and spirit. So let's work through that a couple of his arguments. So one of the arguments is, well, that makes no sense, right? Think about the guys who have been dead for a thousand years. Like, if we went into Boston right now and dug up the corpse of Paul Revere, right, buried in one of our city cemeteries, right, what do you think it would look like? I mean, it, 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 you know, would you want to spend eternity in what's, in what's left? And that's what these guys are saying. And Paul's saying, you guys are idiots. You know, and the reason he's saying that, and, and he tries to use some examples from nature. And this is always the hard part, right? We take that which we can see and understand, and we're trying to explain that which we haven't seen yet. And, we may, and, and it's hard for us to understand. So he starts out by talking about nature. He said, first of all, just think about it. You, you're going to go out, and people are going to plant gardens. They're going to plant fields. They're going to look for a harvest. What they plant is not what they hope to reap, right? You plant a seed, and what comes up is a whole stock of wheat, right? You plant a corner of corn, right? And up comes the big thing. So give you a little example. 
So you're not going to be able to see this very well. I'm sorry, but I'm going to try, and I'm going to test Evan's uh, zooming abilities here on the camera. But these, this is actually mustard seed from Israel. When I was over there on a trip, we went by one of the things, and we were looking out at the city of Bethlehem from a distance, and our tour guide said, you see that tree there? And it was like the size of an apple tree, right? He said, he said that's a mustard seed tree. He said, and you'll probably find some mustard seeds down around it. So I went and grabbed them. So they, they fall out of the tree kind of wrapped up in these kind of plastic, these little kind of, they actually look like our helicopters that come down, right, you know? And then, but what's in them are these little black flakes. And, and you're not going to be able to see them, but they're just, they're just really tiny little seeds, Right? I don't know how they get Grey Poupon from these things, right? They turn these things into Grey. I, I, I don't get it. But anyway, I mean, you're talking about really small, but you put that one little seed in the ground. And in the right conditions, what comes up is a tree that's big enough for the birds to land in and make their nests in. And they're just teeny, right? They're, just, they're smaller than a grain of pepper, right? They're just teeny. He said, listen, it happens in nature. You bury it one way, it comes up a different way says, all right, and if that's not enough to convince you, to, get, to open you up to the possibility, he says, think about the different type of skin living beings have, living things have. He said, you've got your human skin, and some of us are a little drier and rougher than others, right? You know, and then, and then he said, but then you've got animals, and you start thinking, all right, well, wow, you know, you, you could be wearing shoes that are made from a cow. Right? You could be wearing a sweater that's made from a lamb, you know, from a sheep. You know, you, there's, you know, you, you go right up. Lots very different. So you're going to have the difference between the, the height of like a zebra or the height of a, of a, a crocodile or an alligator. Very different, right? And, and, and so he said, animals have all kinds, not only them, but th think about the fish. The difference between the, 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 um, the skin of a shark and of some of the bass that we hope to catch in our, in our rivers and salmon, or you think about like a lobster right? or a crab. I mean, very different kind of shells. Why is it that all of it, has, why does it have to stay the same? It's all different. Think about the beauty of the, of the celestial beings as opposed to the beauty of the earthly beings. So, so take, look, at the, look at the majesty of the ocean and the mountains, and then compare that to the moon and the sun and the stars. They're all different, but they're beautiful. And Paul said, you know, God has designed it to be. But all of this argument is that it's in order for you and I to really be able to participate in the kingdom of God, we need this new incorruptible body. And so that's my first, you know, the second point that will come up here is this that eternity requires a new kind of body for us and that body is given in the resurrection. Look back again at these verses, right? And um, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorrupting, incorruption. Therefore, he said, we're not all going to sleep, but we all will be changed because we need a new spiritual body which is going to be different than our natural bodies, in order to be able to participate in eternity. We need a new body. And so with that, God is going to give us a new body. It's 
It's going to be different than the old. Thank God, right, for a lot of us, right? It's going to be different than the old, but that new body is a part of God's gift to us so that we can enjoy eternity as body, soul, and spirit. As Neil, as Christina, as Rada, as individuals, we're going to get to participate in eternity. Is that good news? Right? Is that good news? I mean, that is, is God, God saved us as individuals. He's going to resurrect us. Within, but the bodies we have, they are not fit to enjoy eternity. That's why those that are sown in dishonor are going to be raised with honor, right? Those who are sown in weakness are going to be raised in power. Those things that are corruptible, and now I'm 60, I'm feeling that more and more as I go, right? You know, are going to be raised with incorruptibility, right? He goes right on down the line. God, God's just going to change it. The tiny little mustard seed is going to grow into a flourishing tree as God changes it and brings us along. But so, so his whole argument is you need a new body to be able to enjoy eternity as an individual. And that's what God has planned, and that's what God is going to do. And you can see that in Moses and Elijah and right on down the line. Here's the second point. And his second point is this, that if you and I went on to experience eternity without our bodies, we really wouldn't have victory. Right? Look what it says here at the end. He says, where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, right? So he's really saying, listen, if we get down to the end, and we're supposed to have victory in Jesus, but the way we get to victory is that we just change the rules at the end. We just get raised as spirit, but we leave the body behind. It's kind of like we change the goal at the end. So we don't really have victory. So Paul's argument is if we're going to, if, if, if Jesus and God are really going to have victory over Satan and sin, it requires that you and I be raised as body, soul, and spirit. If not, it's kind of like chess. It's like, it'd be like playing chess, right? And you get down to the end and you capture the person's king and you say, hey, see, I won. And you say, no, 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 I still got my knight. See, I'm just protecting my knight. So, you know, you change the rules on me, right, kind of idea. Or you go out to play golf, and I've played with a couple guys like this, right? So when you get down to the end, so, well, it's not really about how many swings you take. It's about how many putts you had to, to take or whatever, you know. They just change the rules at the end, right, where you do that with our, with our kids, right? My shots count for three, and yours only count for one kind of idea, that, that kind, of, kind of stuff. Or, you know, this actually kind of happened in one of our presidential elections, right? Not just recently, we had a president who won the popular vote but lost the electoral college. And so the election was called a farce. Well, you're not running your, election, your campaign to win the popular vote. You're running your election to win the electoral college. So we're just going to change the goal at the end, right? I'm not saying, I'm not arguing for one format over another. I'm just saying you, you, you set out to achieve this, and you can't have victory by achieving this. And so God set out to conquer sin and death. That's why he sent Jesus. He wanted to have total, absolute victory. The only way that that can happen is if you and I are, are raised as body, soul, and spirit. Again, let me just read this again for us. He says, you know, when the corruptible is clothed with incorruptibility, verse 24, and the mortal body is clothed with immortality, then that 
then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Listen, folks, we serve a winning God. And he's not looking for just a partial victory, a moral victory. He's looking for a complete victory. And the way he does that is through Jesus Christ, he's prepared to raise us body, soul, and spirit. Make sense? Right? Now, there's some good things about all of that. These bodies that we're going to get, and we're going to enjoy these new bodies when Jesus returns. And, and if you weren't expecting him to come today, then this today is as good as any day. Because the scripture says he's going to come like a thief. Right? And, the, and, the, and a thief comes when we're expecting them the least. Right, So any day that you're not expecting Jesus to come back, that's a great. But when he comes back, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then, we're, and then anybody who's on the planet who believes in him is going to rise with him. And we're going to be given our new bodies. Right? Now, what happens to those who have already died in Christ until the time that he comes back? It's murky. Right? Here it says, in Thessalonians, he talked about those who have fallen asleep. And there are some strands of the Christian church who believe that people, when they die in Christ, they go into what they call soul sleep. And that's the way they remain. But there's others who kind of hang their hat more on the fact to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so somehow we're enjoying eternity, but we know there's still a dimension of eternity that we're not enjoying yet when we're reunited with our bodies. To tell you the truth, I don't know if God's trying to make it all that clear to us. He just wants us to know that it's certain, <laughs> right? He wants us to know that it's certain, right? And when you and I get our new bodies, it's going to be equipped to be at the banquet of God for all of eternity. I mean, some of you remember the parable that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 22, right? King prepared a huge wedding banquet for his son who was getting married. Sent his servants out to everybody who had been invited and said, you know what? The banquet's ready. Come. Come, right? Ringing the dinner bell. And everybody who was supposed to come went the other direction. Oh, I'm going to go home and take care of my field. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go whatever. And nobody came. So finally he said, you know what? Just go out and get people off the streets and get them to come to the wedding banquet. And then he tells a story that the king is walking through the guests, right? And he comes across a guy who's just not dressed for a wedding. Right? He doesn't have on his wedding garment. And, and, he, and, he's, and he's tossed out. He says, tie him up and toss him out, right? And that's what the instructions get. Listen, folks, we are going to be dressed for the wedding, right? We're going to be dressed for the wedding. And God's going to walk around and say, man, I'm so glad to have you here. I'm so glad to have you here, right? I'm supposed to go to a family wedding in May down in Texas for my nephew and his black tie optional. So I think that means I can wear a red tie if I want to instead of a black tie. And, you know, and, um, but I don't know if, but I got to tell you, I think they're going to let me in. Unless I'm probably in sweaty tennis shorts and a ripped t-shirt or something, then they might send me back. You know, listen, you are going to be dressed to fit in eternity because that is what God's going to give you. He's going to give you in a body and a wardrobe that is fit to be a part of the banquet of God for all of eternity, right? That's what's coming to us. And God doesn't want to send for a partial victory. He wants complete victory over sin and death. And that means that you and I are going to be raised bodily along with our spirits and our souls. So Paul draw is, is in some ways always the pragma, 
pragmatist. So he draws one more conclusion from this, and it's in verse 38. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Excelling in the Lord's work. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. His, Paul, he, he brings all of this great teaching about the resurrection, that Jesus really is alive, and our faith matters, and our faithfulness matters, and, and that you, God is going to have a complete victory by raising us bodily with our spirits and our souls, equipping us to be in his presence for all of eternity. And Paul looks at that whole backdrop and says, that's the incentive to walk with God faithfully today. That's your incentive, Right? to keep walking. The certainty of our resurrection is designed to be the incentive to, for us to keep on keeping on, right? That's what he's really saying. Man, be steadfast, man. Be immovable. Excel at it, right? And he said, everything that you're doing is worth it, right? Everything that you're building, none of it is going to erode, wear out, or break down. You're not going to be like the brakes on your car, the roof on your house, you know, the tires on your vehicle, you know, your hot water heater. It's not going to be any of those. It's not going to wear out. It's, all, it's never going to become obsolete. You know, you're never going to have to throw out the eight-track tape, right, or the cassette tape that got, you know, you're laying up for. It's always going to matter. It, it is our reason. It is our reason. So, you know, in our church, in, in just, just in the last six months, we've had people have knee surgery, hip surgery, bypass surgery, all that kind of stuff. Why did they do that? You know what? I just want to suffer, right? Just, 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 just inflict some pain on me. That'd be good for me. <laughs> is that why they're doing it? Uh, they're doing it because they know on the other end of it, their life is going to be better. That's the intended outcome of the surgeries, right? Sometimes we walk through the spiritual journey and we say, man, this is just hard, you know? It is hard sometimes to bite my tongue when I just want to rip somebody's head off, right? You know, and, and we struggle with that kind of stuff. Paul says, you know what? It's all worth it. It's like having bypass surgery because on the other end of it, it's going to be way better for you. Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, excelling, in the work of the Lord. And that's the question I want to leave with you today. Right? As, you, as you process through this week, are you really excelling in the work of the Lord? Right? I believe Jesus is resurrected. I believe I'm going to be resurrected with him. I believe I'm going to spend eternity with him forever. The, Paul said, you know, if, if you accept all that stuff, here is what you have to conclude. you got to be excelling in the work of the Lord. Are we doing that? Are you doing that? Let's pray together. God, thank you for the hope that we have. We don't want to grieve. And we don't want to live like those who have no hope. So, Father, equip us today. Father, in order for us to excel in your work, we have to be growing with you. So, Father, help us 
to grow in you by serving with you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.